Hello, and welcome to the Week 12 edition of the Megapod here on thelines.com. It is Matt Brown. It is Stephen Ayers. It is Adam Candy. Road show here on a holiday week, but we are not leaving you guys stranded. I was going to sit out this week, and then Adam and Stephen came to me, and they said, Matt, we need you. The people need you. You cannot sit out this week. We have to get this thing going. And so here I am in beautiful Baton Rouge, Louisiana, doing this thing, sitting outside. It's okay. It's a little cold, but you know, I'm, I'm dealing with it for, uh, oh, you're, for the You're people. so Vegas. It's a little you know, cold. What's what's the temperature in Louisiana today? It's probably like it's probably like 60, man. Like, oh, like oh 60. gosh. Blustery, yeah. 60 Listen, degrees. It's probably like 60. And that, uh, 60 ain't no good, man. 60. Adam's 60. already turned his camera off. He's disgusting. <laughs> 60, uh, 60 ain't no good. So we're... We're going to power through this, but again, guys, so a little bit different format this week. We're going to go through the three Thanksgiving Day games and the Black Friday game, and then we're just going to give thoughts on some games that we actually have bets in our account, but not going to do the full game-by-game-by-game breakdown as we do this earlier in the week. Don't want to give you guys some information, that some something that we don't feel super confident about, and obviously without having full injury reports and all the things like that, it's uh that's not our style right like we're not going to do content just for the sake of doing content we want to make sure that we're doing it right and so not going to go that route but we'll give you any bets that we do have in our account and why we went went ahead and put them in there but first things first let's kick things off with the early game on thanksgiving day green bay packers at the detroit lions this is sitting seven and a half in favor of the lions at home 46 and a half to 47 is our total so steven if we take a look at this lions team and I think that there's something to be said for winning games in which you don't have your fastball, right? And like you came out and you see Jared Goff do what Jared Goff really has not done since he's been in Detroit. And that is go out and turn the ball over a ton. And they were able to overcome it and still win the game. And there's something to be said for that in the NFL. We see the Washington Commanders last week could not overcome six turnovers that they went out and committed, even though it was against the worst team in the NFL. Well, you know, you saw the Lions be able to overcome all of those turnovers and find themselves again, I still say firmly in the driver's seat for the number one overall seed in the NFC. But here we are on the other side of a touchdown on Thanksgiving Day, short week. What do you see here in this one? I see I would really like the Eagles to stop getting lucky so we could actually cash this Lions number one seed. That'd be that'd be <laughs> a good start. Uh, but, you know, I, I I agree with you. I They should have wrecked my teasers last week, and somehow they still won that game despite four turnovers. So um, I, I thought they were pretty fortunate to pull that off, but I give a ton of credit to that offense. This is one of the best offenses in the league when they're at home in that dome environment. So they pull that out, a game they should have lost, if that's the floor for the Lions in most weeks against these, you know, bottom half of the league teams in the NFL, then I really don't have much of a reason not to go back to the well with them for a teaser leg. Uh, I do still have concerns about their defense, but I would I had more concerns about it last week when they're facing an actual good defense in in the Bears. I don't think the Packers, even though their offense has been a little bit, you know, improved with Jordan Love, I'll admit that. But I still don't think this is a good defense for Green Bay. So um, this is still bottom half of the league in metrics since their bye week. You know, they are outside the top 20 overall in EPA and success rate, 26th by drop back EPA. So I I have every confidence in the world that the Lions are going to score a ton of points in this game. So taking this down to the traditional teaser leg through seven and three seemed pretty attractive to me. Adam, there is going to be an ungodly amount of teaser liability on Thanksgiving day for these books. It is going to be ridiculous. I already have this teaser in my account. I feel very confident in the lions and Niners teaser leg. And we'll talk about that game a little bit later, but you do see a team here in, in, in the lions. And I was, I'm not saying that, you know, again, for just lip service. Like I think there's something to be said for playing your, your C minus game and still getting a win. And I understand it's the bears, but the Bears show signs of life last week. And there are a lot of teams in the NFL that would have lost that game to the bears last week, despite the fact that the bears did start to kind of shoot themselves in the foot towards the end, but that's neither here nor there. There are over half the league that would have ended up losing that game to the bears last week. So uh, here they are back at home with golf in the dome, pretty healthy overall as a team, going up against a team that I just don't have a ton of respect for at this point um, in the Green Bay Packers. 
I think where we can find a little bit more signal than in what happened in the final three minutes plus of that game between the Lions and the Bears is to look at where the Lions defense is overall right now, right? We, we knew that the offense is capable of doing what it did in coming back from a big deficit of more than a couple of scores here in the final minutes that that offense has that playmaking capability and they got over the fact that they had those turnovers, but on the defensive side of the ball, that's where I think you have to look and say what's happening right now. And what can I use out of that to be able to handicap this game? So if you go back to the Baltimore game, 38 to Baltimore, 14 to Vegas, but if you look at the yardage, uh, you know, the, the Vegas did have a handful of opportunities in there. The, they actually could have done more than they did to the Lions on offense. And then you look at them giving up 38 to the Chargers and 26 to the Chicago Bears. So how do I want to use that to come after this week? I think 47 is still a little bit high in today's NFL to be playing on the total, but I do want to be looking at some Packers props. And I hate to say this, considering what we've noticed about the guy over the first half of the season, but Jordan Love has actually found a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit over the last few weeks. He's been a league average quarterback over the last month, and right now the passing prop is sitting at 233.5. If you can find better than that, find better than that on yardage. But I think that Jordan Love is going to be called upon in this game to make a few plays. And considering the state of the Lions defense, I think it's entirely possible that there are a few plays to be made. Yeah, I I look at this and I'm sitting here. I know you say it's a little high in today's NFL. I'm tempted at the over. I think that there is a decent chance that the Lions play into the high 20s low 30s and as you mentioned I mean like yeah tiny bit of signs of life from the Packers here on the offensive side of the ball or a little bit and like we're not really asking that much if we're going to be getting that from Detroit right and and I see no reason with the state of the Packers defense that Detroit isn't going to be able to play into the high 20s low 30s in this game and if that's the case then I don't know I I, I can't make a strong case for me to to stay on the underside of this thing, it would be an over or pass. And certainly, you know, one of the other things that's going to be super popular here on Thanksgiving day and save your angry tweets. We don't care. Same game parlays are going to be popular on, on, uh, on, on Turkey day. And, you know, you can go in and adjust that total down a little bit. And if you wanted to take the lions at say, you know, under the touchdown, like minus six and a half, and then you could take it at over let's call it over 43 and a half or something or whatever. So there are ways that you can get creative too here on a Thanksgiving day with these Island games, which we wouldn't normally recommend, but we know you're going to be home. You're watching the games. You want to have action on the games. And so you can go in and manipulate these lines a little bit. If you want to go that direction as well. Matt, it sounds like we're all pretty much agreed that we have concerns about the Lions defense here. And that's why we're going teaser instead of the, the normal spread of seven and a half, uh, you know, gun to my head. If I had to choose one side or the other on the, on the spread here, it would be the Packers. And I would in encourage everybody to go listen to Eli and Mo on beat the closing number on the Monday show to hear all their reasons why uh, if they're betting the spread, they're taking green Bay plus seven and a half here. But um, I just I just have every confidence the Lions are still going to win this game. So I, I went the other route, and I it was also because there's other teaser legs this week I feel strongly about as well. Um, but I I I would never bet the Lions minus seven and a half in this game. I'll just say that. Yeah, Adam. If you know, again, like we say, it's you know not sometimes not the greatest. You know, whatever. I I know it doesn't pay out at full. Whatever. I, I get it, guys. Like you, like we said, you can save the the angry tweets. But if we do go in, and if we wanted to play, you know, if we think there's going to be points, and we want to kind of avoid some of these key numbers and things like that. I mean, you know, you can get Lions minus five and a half over forty two and a half up to plus one thirty in a in one of these same game parlays. And this is just an example. I'm not saying that that's one the one that you have to play, but you're getting it under the two key numbers of seven and six with the lions. Then you're also getting it underneath the 43, 44 from a, from a key number standpoint, from a total. Um, so I would, I would recommend that if people are just looking for action in these games, 
there are ways you can kind of tell a story of how you think the game is going to go through one of these same game parlays. And the other thing is, is you don't always have to make these six, seven, eight, nine legs guys. Like you can make them two legs if you want to. Right. So that that's the other thing where I think people get a little confused when you, you instantly think same game parlays a lottery ticket, but you don't have to, like I said, this just manipulates it to plus plus one thirty but you're getting Lions under seven, under six, and then you're getting the total under the 43 and the 44 as well. Guy flies to Louisiana for Thanksgiving and is going through all the different same-game parlay options that he doesn't have in Las Vegas. You'll love to see it. But uh, but Adam, your, your thoughts on that, though? I mean, I, I, I think that there's a way to tell a story to how you think this game is going to go and, and bet it alternately the, the way that you maybe wouldn't do it on a, on a normal week. So let me give you an example from another program that I do, and I'll give a shout out to Judah Fortgang from Pro Football Focus here. He builds a lot of these same game parlays based on tails angles, right? Angles that are not going to come up fairly often, but when they do, you're going to get a pretty good reward. And you can talk about a two-leg same game parlay that he looked at last week where he said, you know what, even though Tommy DeVito is terrible, you really can luck into certain stats in the NFL and quarterback passing yards is one of those. If you hit the kind of pass that can be one of those 10 yarders that gets taken for 80 and he played a giant salt spread minus five and a half and Tommy DeVito to go 250 plus passing yards. Well, here's the thing. It didn't hit. It missed by four passing yards total. And you know what that was on a two leg same game parlay build 170 to one. And it doesn't have to be that big, and it doesn't have to be that much. Yeah. But when you tell yourself a story the way we're talking about telling yourself a story, which is to say there are going to be points in this game on both sides, then you can start to build from there. Yep. It's uh, just just something to think about. Again, we know you're going to be but we know you're going to be betting. We know you want action, so there are just alternate ways to go about it. And it doesn't always have to be a lottery ticket. You can certainly uh, you can play it a little closer to the vest sometimes as well. All right, let's get to the second game of the day. It is going to be the Washington Commanders and the Dallas Cowboys. This is up to 12 and a half now in favor of the Cowboys over the Commanders. The totals all the way up to 48 and a half to 49. Adam, when we take a look at this one, uh, Commanders break everyone's heart, loses uh, last week in Survivor, knocks out basically, you know, half of any pool that was left out there. And you know, look, six turnovers, you can point to that and just say like, okay, well, they're not that bad. Agreed. No team is six turnover bad, but are they still two to three turnover bad against the Dallas Cowboys defense? That is pretty opportunistic. Probably. I think for me, it would still be laying it with the Cowboys or nothing. I always look at the Cowboys though and, and play them first half. I played it first half last week as opposed to the full game. I would almost do the same thing here as well. We know they are not afraid to kind of take their foot off the gas. We know that there's some conservative elements to this team. We know that they are okay with putting guys on the sidelines should they get up super big in games. And so I think it's more of a first half look on the Cowboys for me, but what say you? I'm oppo in this. I, I think it's Washington or pass for me in this game. And I don't like to see the kind of overreaction that I think we're seeing in the market to last week's game because we're looking at a Washington team that probably never should have been favored by nine, nine and a half, however much it was against the New York Giants, right? I don't know that I believe that the direction of this makes sense given Washington's offensive capabilities. And I understand very well that we've seen Dallas blow out some bad teams at home. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have been absolutely dominant against bad teams in their own building this year. And I kind of made this mistake a little bit in actually playing the Rams earlier this year. I'm not going to make that mistake here in, in this direction. I do think the script is similar to what we just talked about with Green Bay and Detroit, though, where I think both teams are going to score. I think Washington put into a situation where it has to chase and Sam Howell's going to throw the ball 50 times a game. Sam Howell's got enough YOLO in him that there are going to be points in this game. Even when the Dallas Cowboys defense was good, you still had a little bit of gambler in Trayvon Diggs and the ability to complete some big passes. So. If I were to play spread, I think I would wait to see how high this goes and probably get what I'm going to guess is 13 because I've already seen a 12 and a half pop 
uh, on this game. So yeah. I would think it would be 13. Again, I'm not rushing to it to play it. I'm trying to give you guys some ideas about the way I would if I did. Uh, the Absolutely. Thing, the thing for me here ultimately in the end is I, I think Washington's offense will be more successful than this spread is giving it credit for. Steven, in years past, I would be I would be very confident that this game would get to 13 and a half because it was an island game involving the Cowboys and it was people just come in and they bet the favorites and they're going to whatever. Now that we're in, you know, now that legalization is in as many jurisdictions as it is right now, we're getting more educated betters and stuff. Like I can't say for certain it's going to get to 13 and a half. I do think 13 pops. It probably gets bought. Every time we're probably going to tick between 12 and a half and 13 all the way up to kickoff because my guess is, is 13 is the buy point for everybody on the commanders. It would be hard for me to argue against that being a buy point because 13 points in the NFL is just a, a it's a ton of points, right? It's just a, a ridiculous amount of points. And so I would almost go this direction. And I know that people are going to like roll their eyes at me, but if you're willing to lay 12 and a half or 13 with the Cowboys, then you might as well lay like 16 and a half. like they're going to just then they're just going to, you know what I'm saying? They're just going to beat the brakes off of them or this yeah. game is going to be one of those weirdly close games. Like, I don't think that there is something where you're going to need, you know, the 12 and a half, right? It's like, no, either the Cowboys just beat the ever living crap out of them, or it's one of those weird games where the commanders figure out how to keep it close against a really good, you know, Dallas Cowboys defense. So again, that's, that's my, if you're, if you're looking to play the full game stuff, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I agree with you. I'd be surprised if this gets the 13 and sticks at 13. Then again, last week we saw the Dolphins steam never stop all the way to the point where it got the 14 against the Raiders. So, I mean, maybe it keeps going. So just keep an eye on it. Um, I, I agree with you guys on paper. This is a severe downgrade to the market rating for the commanders. The Cowboys were 10 and a half on the road against the Panthers just a week ago. They were 17 against DeVito. So this is this is basically downgrading the commanders and this offense all the way to basically a bottom three team in the NFL. I, I don't think I agree with that. Like I, I know that they're always good for a stinker every once in a while, as evidenced by last week, but this offense at least still is punchy, right? Like when mm -hmm. Sam Howell gets rid of the ball, he's got metrics that are above average in the NFL this year, the Panthers and, and DeVito and some of these other offenses, Aiden O'Connell and the Raiders, like they don't have that type of offensive upside in any given week. So you just never know when you're going to get it with the commanders. It seems it's just hard to predict. They're, they're a high variance team from week to week, but to get this many points, it, it feels like to me that it, it's really hard for the back door to ever be closed. But at the same time, the Cowboys at home this year have scored 30 points, 38 points, 43 points, and 49 points against other bottom-of-the-barrel NFL teams. So if I want to back the commanders, don't I just parlay it with the over? Like, how often are the commanders covering the spread in a low-scoring game? I, I don't see that happening with, with how putrid their pass defense is. You know, what, what's your thought on that angle, Matt? I, I, full, full disclosure, I screwed up, didn't wait long enough. I parlayed commanders plus 11 with the total, I think was at 48, 48 and a half. And now we're at 12 and a half might be going higher here. So I, I put yeah. it in too early, but if I'm back in commanders, I don't really see much of a reason not to parlay it with the over. Yeah. Adam, it's one of these, uh, you know, one of these, it's kind of the, the reverse correlation. I feel like in this one where it's, where it's like, you need the variance. You need all like if you, if you're on commanders, I think you want this thing to be high scoring because if it's low scoring, that means they're probably not scoring, which means this could be, you know, 27 to to, to 10 type game or whatever. And so I, I think that for my in my personal opinion, you would be looking more at an over type game here if you like the commanders than you would be looking for an under type game. Yeah, I get that overall. And to the question that Steven asked, I think that one is kind of more of a personal risk tolerance and math question because uh, for me, I've looked at the NFL this year and said just because there's a lot of offense doesn't mean necessarily there's going to be a lot of points, right? Like Washington outgained the Giants yeah. last week. But when I look at needing to have both outcomes of – Washington covering the spread 
and the game going over, then for me, it just comes down to, am I getting a price that makes sense? And am I going to be able to absorb the uh, <laughs> the mental anguish of this game potentially going one-way traffic to the over, but Washington being nowhere involved in the outcome? Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. The The last thing I'll just mention about, like, possibly, like, pairing up a, you know, a, a spread with a total is that the books are getting smart to adjust prices to correlated parlays like this. You know, I went to one book to try and parlay commanders in the over and I was only getting about plus 230. I went to another book and they were giving me plus 285. So that's definitely something that people really need to shop at this point because the algorithms are taken to, into account some of these correlations. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up and, and I get it. It is a bad Look, it, it. I get it. It is a bad defense that the th that the Cowboys are going up against here. But man, Dak's passing prop is two seventy eight and a half. That's mm. just a lot of yards. You know, like I, I blindly basically went under on Mahomes on Monday night because it was at two eighty five and a half. And like in the NFL, it's just hard to throw for two hundred eighty six yards, right? Well, we're asking for two eighty out of Dak in this game, and I get it. You know, it's a it's a bad, it's a bad team, but like, could they not have success on the ground against them? Could they not get up in the game and then just get conservative? I mean, like I, there's so many paths to not getting to 280 in today's NFL. Um, he had 189 of, last week in a yeah, similar spread game. That's what I'm saying. It's just so anyway, it's 280 is a lot. is all I'm going to say. I, I, I can't say for certain I'm going to be on the under, but I'm probably have a pretty heavy lean towards the under on that. It's just a ton of points when it all comes down to it. All right, our third game here on Thanksgiving Day is the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Steven, I said the aforementioned teaser leg that every book is going to have liability to this week. This is the second leg of it. It is going to be the Lions down to a point and a half. It is going to be the 49ers down to a point, and it is going to be everywhere. Uh, it is like this, this teaser. It just screams obvious. It screams get it in your account. And whatever, I'll be the donkey that plays it. And if it loses, it loses. But I have a very, very tough time seeing this 49ers team healthy, losing to the, to the Seahawks at this at this point with the way that the Seahawks are playing. And not to mention, we're getting a Geno Smith that is not going to be 100%. Now, it's, you know, how severe is this whole tricep? I don't really care. It's his throwing arm, and it's his throwing arm in a short week. And so even if that makes Geno coming in at, 90% instead of 100%. The way Gino's playing this year, he can't afford to play. He can't afford to be 10% less than what he's doing right now. So you're giving me the Niners down to a point, coupled with the Lions down to a point and a half. It's just too much for me to pass up. I'll, I'll be a donkey with you, buddy, because I, yeah. I have it in the account as well. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think Seattle is ready for prime time here to compete with the top teams in the NFL. Um, you know, I know they beat the Browns defense, but they also didn't have to face a very good offense in the Browns in that game. This is, in my opinion, currently this week, the number one team in the NFL, at least in my power rankings. When this team is fully healthy and assembled, this is the most complete team in the NFL, in my opinion. And if you kind of look at their season in chapters, there's reason to believe that from week one to five before the crazy win game in Cleveland, this, this offense was number two in the advanced metrics, basically only behind the dolphins who had a 70 point game in that sample, uh, a number one passing offense by advanced metrics was Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy by EPA is like lapping the quarterbacks in the NFL this year. He's been impressive, at least in terms of the advanced statistics. And that's in the defense was top five by EPA. Then they have the three game losing streak, which I think you can make pretty valid arguments to shoot holes into whether or not those were outliers or actually concerns moving forward. I think they were outliers. The wind game in Cleveland, Brock Purdy gets concussed at Minnesota. You know, the turnovers granted did pop up and hurt them against Cincinnati, but they still moved the ball at will to a tune of more than eight yards per play against the Bengals. And in those games, they did it without their left tackle, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. Now they get back healthy against a Jags defense that gets a lot of respect this season. Um, they also have the Tampa Bay game past two weeks back to being top three overall top two passing attack top three defense by EPA they lost to Funga who's one of their best defensive players but I think the key to this whole thing is their pass rush and it's a 
it's a really, really good pass rush now that they added Chase Young as well. So I, I just don't see anything more than an average football team with Seattle. And now their quarterback's banged up. Now they're starting. Running back is banged up. Really not all that impressed with Charbonnet, to be honest with you. And Tyler Lockett has been on the injury report on and off with a hamstring injury as well. So, yeah, I six and a half would be a bet here. If you can't get it, it's a it's an easy teaser leg for me. Yeah, Adam, we uh we see Seattle and look, I you know, I can admit when I'm wrong. I have I had a futures ticket on Seattle to win the division. I have an over nine. Looks like that is like I'm praying for a push now at this point for for that was Seattle. It was the the thought being that they would just continue to kind of take some steps forward. And it just really hasn't been the case. It's it's which is it's it's just a lot of the same as last year, right? And and there really hasn't been those steps forward. And so with that, we kind of get just the same version of this team that struggled down the stretch uh, last year. Um, I actually would love to hear if you have a differing opinion than, than me on this. I just think that these are two teams that are going in completely different directions and, and probably even in different classes when it comes to, to the NFL as far as talent goes. I, I actually am going to give you a slightly differing opinion. Um, I'm going to ask a question to both of you that's a bit of a rhetorical question, but if you have a strong opinion, go for it. If the market is this confident in San Francisco, why have we not gotten seven and a half here? Uh, this hit seven and stopped, and I get why mathematically seven and a half is a big deal. But if we are this confident that San Francisco is in a different weight class than Seattle, I think the market should have been to seven and a half already on this game, even on the road, because you have to choose what you believe about Seattle in order to bet this game. And I'll go straight to full disclosure. I would need the seven and a half to go Seattle, but at seven and a half, I would take Seattle. There's something about this Seattle team that scares me in this kind of situation because you can look at last week's game against the Rams and you can see everything that has been enormously frustrating about Seattle. In the first 25 or so minutes of that game, that looked like a top five team in the NFL. They really did have the kind of offensive efficiency that you said, oh, this is the Seattle I've been looking for all year long. And then they went on to play a dreadful 35 minutes after that. Geno Smith was hurt. You had to watch the Drew Locke experience. Kenneth Walker was hurt. They had some disadvantages, but they also just looked terrible roundly. Now, I think if you play San Francisco in this spot, if you're laying the seven, you're definitely at a spot where you are buying San Francisco, I think, at nearly top of the market. And I get it. They looked the part against Jacksonville last week. They've looked the part multiple times in these kind of spots here this year. I don't know that I can get there with San Francisco this week. Maybe I am a little bit too risk averse when it comes to both of the teaser legs that you guys are on, but I actually don't want them. Um, Detroit, to me, there there is enough game script here where the Green Bay Packers can put up a bunch of points against Detroit that scares me. And I have seen good Seattle just enough to wonder on a short week when Kyle Shanahan doesn't have the same amount of game planning time that he usually does to wreck people. What are we going to get out of San Francisco? Could you see Brock Purdy's turnover worthy plays come home to roost a little bit the way that they had prior to Jacksonville? So all of that is to say that I think there is a case to be made for Seattle. I'm not here pounding the table saying you guys are insane. Why are you doing this? No, it's none of that. But I do think with a total of 44 in today's NFL, if you take seven, I can't argue with you, but I would even be curious to see with a couple of minus 115s out there on those sevens, if it gets to San Francisco seven and a half pregame, I think that's a play on Seattle. Yeah, it is. It might get there, and, and mainly because of just like just, just the volume of people that are going to be betting into this game, you know, on with it being the third of the primetime games, whatever, it wouldn't shock me. I know books are going to be super hesitant to get to that seven and a half. They don't want guys specifically pros to who've been able to get in on, on both sides of the seven. And so that's going to be something that's going to be pretty uh, rough for them. Just to kind of answer your question as to why we haven't seen the seven and a half. I think they're really, really, really going to be very hesitant to try to get that seven and a half considering it did sit at six and a half for a little bit to where you're allowing people to come in on both sides of the seven in a game that where a seven point outcome seems very, 
likely, right? I mean, it seems like very within the range of possibilities here. So I think we're talking more liability standpoint when it comes to all that. But um, for for me, it just it there's just this lack of confidence for me in Gino right now, and and it's it's I think if we start to if we're just being objective in this, like as bad as the quarterback play has been in the NFL this year, he's still just middle of the pack, right? I mean, I think we could still, I think we would rattle off 10, 12 names that, that we would want ahead of him. And that's including the guys that, you know, that are playing currently as, as opposed to the guys that are, that are hurt. So I don't know, just a, a lot for me to overcome with some of the stuff I've seen from Gino. What are we now at? Are we now at eight straight games of a turnover that he is, that he has been responsible for, be it a fumble or, or an interception or something like that or whatever. And so he's basically giving the ball to the other team, at a pretty high rate i just don't know i can't uh i can't get there with seattle and trust me i i want them to <laughs> i need them to win games trust me like i want them to win games but i just can't uh i just can't quite get there steven one one other thought here um in this one is like i guess if i'm i guess if i'm trying to play my own devil's advocate i i can see where seattle might bust the seven or the seven and a half, I just don't, I do not see in a win. Like I, I, I'm serious. Like I have tried to play my own devil's advocate here a million times and talked myself into what is the path for victory here. And it would take a, it would take a three turnover game by Purdy. And again, we just hadn't seen it. Call it luck, call it whatever, all that stuff. We just, we just haven't seen that. And so I'm just not going to assume that Purdy's just going to all of a sudden fall off a cliff. You you in the sample of Brock Purdy as Niners starting quarterback, there's been a couple of games where he's turned into a pumpkin, but overall you would have lost a lot of money at this point continuing to bet for Brock Purdy to have a bunch of interceptions and, and lose games. It's happened a couple times and that's been it. So they have they were competitive for a half against the 49ers basically last year and have not been able to put it together for 60 minutes. Um I, I hear Adam's arguments. I think the for me, if I was going to take the devil's advocate argument and come in on Seattle at seven or seven and a half, I'd have to believe that they'd get some positive uh, positive regression with their red zone offense because that, to me, is what's really held them back. Seattle is below 50% ranking 22nd in the NFL in red zone offense, and in their last three games, they're even worse than that. They're down to 40% in the red zone, and this is not anything new for them. This was an issue last season as well where they were below 50 percent so if you're going to keep pace with the 49ers you better be getting six and not three when you get to the red zone it's it's fair and i would just go back to this something i've talked about throughout this season i I think red zone efficiency stats are a little bit skewed the last year two years since the defenses have kind of adjusted the way that they're playing in the middle of the field between the 20s so caveat not to say that that's really pushing back on steven it's more just to say that i'm taking all of my red zone efficiency thoughts with a grain of salt here right now last thought for me here too is and i you know i also have a coach of the year on pete carroll as well but like I, I, dude he played for a 55 yard field goal last week it, it's just like like he settled for a 55 yard field goal last week and that to me, like something's just, you know, you see him and Belichick and all these like old school coaches. Like, I do wonder if the game is like starting to pass these dudes by. Like, I, I honest to God, I do wonder if the game is starting to pass these guys by because like some of the decision making to me where you're literally there was 30 seconds left on the, in the game. And like you ran the ball up the middle and then you spiked it with nine seconds left to play for a 55 yard field goal. It's just astonishing to me. You know, it's like it is crazy town to me and you wouldn't try to get four or five or six more yards is just baffling. And so I don't know, I I, I'm, I'm losing faith too in some of these coaches, which also I think has crept into kind of tainting the overall team for me. And I know that like, I I know that Carol isn't like affecting in making game changing and game affecting calls like repeatedly throughout the course of a game, but you know, little things like that, man, that is, uh, 
that that really sticks with me with I, uh, making a decision like that. I know we spent a lot of time on this game. I just want to give one more perspective on futures for Seattle. They're sitting at six and four, and the playoff race in the NFC is putrid. I don't know like who you want to back there, but Seattle's six and four, and their next four games are Niners twice, Dallas, and Philadelphia. There's a very real possibility they're six and eight and need to win two of their last three against Tennessee, Pittsburgh, or Arizona. Maybe only need one win one of their last three. It's almost two to one on Seattle to miss the playoffs here. So I'm pretty confident they're going to lose four straight here to get the six and eight. And then who knows what happens in the bottom of the wild card picture in the NFC. Yeah, no, that's a good look for sure. Uh, and that's certainly not, that's certainly a, a, a range of outcomes that is, is very likely as well. All right, let's head to Black Friday. Good on you, uh, Jeff Bezos, getting that Black Friday game uh, in there for people to have to log on to your website on Black Friday and, 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 uh, taking a football game in which I'm sure you there no chance we're going to get ads or anything. Uh, Miami Dolphins <laughs> and the New York Jets. This is 10 now in favor of the Dolphins. 41 to 41 and a half is your total. Adam, when we take a look at this one, this was sitting seven and a half and then it got announced Tim Boyle and for whatever reason ran to 10. Is there a difference between Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle? Probably. It's at two and a half points absolutely not like you're you're going from the worst quarterback in the nfl to what the worst quarterback in the nfl i mean like who cares like what is it seriously like how much worse could it possibly be but the market says it's way worse and so here we are at double digits now in favor of the dolphins uh against the jets i was doing a program with steven a little bit earlier where we were talking survivor and i i'm curious as to your thoughts here where i was holding on to the hope I'm not going to say the hope I was holding on to the fact that this defense was good. And so I kept kind of power rating them in that like upper twenties, which is still bad, but I'm saying, Hey, look, this defense is always going to keep them in games. And so I can't put them below team X, Y, or Z. They, they, they plummeted this week for me because I've just, I've seen enough, right? It got to the point where it doesn't matter how good the defense is. If you live, if you cannot score, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, like at least these other teams outside of the Panthers and, and the Giants, like there, there's, they can at least score. We, we, we think that they're, they're horrible still, but like they can at least score the football. I can't hold on to the fact that the defense is good anymore. I, I don't care. They cannot score 14 points in a game. And so that they can't win football games. They can't do that. So they went down. I have the jets down. It's like the fourth worst team in the NFL at this point. I can't make the move that big on the Jets just because I've seen the defense good more than I've seen them bad. However, that absolutely was the point at which you can no longer look at the Jets as a middle-of-the-pack team just by default, right? Uh, You saw an offense in Buffalo that had been struggling mightily to convert yards into points. Not to move the ball, Ken Dorsey. They moved the ball just fine when they had their last offensive coordinator, but they weren't turning it into points, and they did last week against the uh, against this Jets defense. So, you know, you look now, and now the Jets on a short week have to take on a Miami team that I'm kind of surprised the market uh, stayed with them the way that it did, and I'm actually saying that in a good way that I think the market is smart in that last week the Miami Dolphins put up six-plus yards per play They had a bad, bad game out of Tua, and they still win by seven points. And I understand the Raiders are bad, but this Raiders team also beat the Jets. And so I can't look at this and have any inclination toward Jets. My inclination in this game is actually toward under. Uh, And I think you realistically could get 30 to 3, 30 to 7, 31 to 8, right? I don't see how the Jets are doing their part in any way. Also, because the Miami defense is finally starting to look like the unit that we hoped it would. And it coincides with Jalen Ramsey coming back and them having a little bit of time to put things together. Right. Jalen Ramsey's been great a couple weeks in a row. They did a good job against Kansas City after getting kind of shell shocked early in the game. And they did a good job against the Raiders last week. And if the Miami defense is able to show up at all in this game, then I do think you've got a situation where the, uh, where the under is in play. Now, another thing that I want to mention about here, and I'm sure you guys will will get to this too. um, When we look at offensive player of the year for Tyreek Hill and, or what is now a longer shot for Tua on MVP, 
the next four weeks are going to create quite the situation here because you've got Jets twice, Washington and Tennessee for Miami. Uh, you could see some pretty significant movement on any odds having to do with Miami offensive futures based on our handicap at this game against the Jets and what Washington and Tennessee are. That's a good call as well to keep an eye out for, for that. I mean, Stephen, we... We look here. I'm glad I, I'm glad Adam brought it up and I was trying to not steal anyone's thunder. And I'm glad I didn't because uh, I do have an under 41 and a half in my account in this one. And it was mainly for the exact same reason as what Adam just pointed out. I, I can this this has 27, six or whatever, 30, 31, six, like uh, written all over it. To 27, me. And, 13 cashes for us, too. Yeah, if, even right. if Boyle somehow gets a touchdown. Yeah, so like I have the under 41 and a half in the account already. So glad he brought that up and uh, glad I didn't mention at the top of the Steelers Thunder. So there we go. Uh, what are you looking at in this one? Show bet. I also have uh, under 40 and a half. I bet it too early. I don't, I'm just confused why we got over money in this game. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm at under 40 and a half in this one. So we're aligned on that. So I'll just take the remainder of my time because I did a little investigation this week after I was also just as surprised as you, Matt, when the, the line moved as much as it, as it did going from Zach Wilson to Tim Boyle, because that tells us that a lot of respected money thinks Tim Boyle is somehow worse than Zach Wilson. And, uh, you know, the research I did came up with the conclusion that I honestly don't have any idea how Tim Boyle is in the NFL at this point, because mm -hmm. Coming out of college, this has got to be the worst statistical profile of a quarterback to make an NFL roster I have ever seen. At UConn, he only threw a total of 275 passes in his entire college career. He completed 48% of them, had one passing touchdown, and 13 interceptions. So I, I don't know why he got signed as an undrafted free agent, but he did, I guess, maybe because he's 6'4", 232 pounds. You know, he got to be Aaron Rodgers' backup for a few years. But if we also look at what he's done in the NFL, the only real sample size we have was from 2021 when he was with the Lions and among quarterbacks that played at least 90 plays, 36th out of 47 quarterbacks by EPA, 41st by success rate, 37th by CPOE. And this is the this is the punchline here. 7.5% inter interception rate in his career. For context, the year Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions, he had a 4.8 interception rate. So that that if you're wondering why the market moves so much, even though Zach Wilson's been benched for Tim Boyle, I'm guessing at least some of those reasons I just said were why, Matt. This this is yeah. like the weirdest quarterback I've ever seen start in an NFL game, frankly. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. All right. The uh, other bets in my account this week, fellas, just to kind of run through, I have the Jags in the account at a pick them. It is now sitting what, a point and a half. That's insignificant. You can still put the Jags in your account uh, over the Texans. I think this is, we are just getting the absolute, absolute, high here on the Texans and, and get it. They've been a fine story. They've been great. This is a step up 
against this Jags team. And I know everyone wants to just continue to doubt this Jags team over and over and over and over and over again. It's a good defense, a good offense. It's just not elite. And so when they play the elite teams, yeah, the Niners, teams like that, they're going to beat them down. But it's this is not an elite team. And people forget just because as good as Stroud has been playing that this Texans defense is actually still bottom half defense in pretty much everything out there. I think the Jags here at a anything under a field goal is something that I would be willing to put into my account. I also have a YOLO uh, plus one and a half ticket on Cincinnati over the Steelers in my account. I know, don't know anything about Browning, but I know everything about the Steelers. And so you're going to give me the Steelers as a favorite on the road. Uh, I'll take the points with any team because the Steelers can't do anything on the offensive side of the ball. I don't care if they did fire Matt Canada. I don't think that gets remedied here in uh in a week with the what's going on with that offense and the only other bet in my account I have an expensive three on the Eagles at home against the Bills. I think that is a gift. People just continue to doubt this Eagles team over and over and over again. All they do is continue to figure out how to go out and win football games. Now they get a step down in competition at home. And it's going to be the Bills. Uh, I think that the Eagles at three is a good bet as well. Steven, anything else that you have in your account this week? Sure. I'll start with uh, giving the counterpoint on the Eagles-Buffalo game because we're going heads up on this one. And this is the last time I'm going to try and fade the Eagles because I've tried it two consecutive weeks. I admittedly have been wrong about both of them. So here we go again. I'm taking the three and a half on Buffalo. Really, the handicap comes down to the the fact that I think I'm getting the superior offense in this game and three and a half points. I admit that the Buffalo secondary is a mash unit right now. They are down even more players. I it's it's dire on that side of the ball. But I do think that if the Bills clean up what they've done with turnovers, they still continue to be the one of, if not the most efficient offenses in the NFL far more efficient than what we've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles here over the past couple of weeks. So um, I guess I'm going down with the ship here, trying to fade the Philadelphia Eagles for one more week. Uh, other, other bets that stood out to me this week. There are two road dogs here, the Cleveland Browns at Denver and also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Indianapolis. There's still two and a halfs available on both of those games. Cleveland's starting to get some money. So get under there. But these spreads, if you take away home field advantage, are basically implying that the Colts are a little bit better or on the same level as the Bucks, and the Broncos are a little bit better or on the same level as the Browns. I'm not ready to, to say that yet. I'm not there yet. I still like the Bucks and the Browns better than their opponents this week. So I think those both set up for really solid teaser legs. And if there's ever a chance either of those get to three, it looks unlikely, but if they ever did, that would be an auto bet for me. So I'll just use them as teaser legs this week uh, for the Sunday matchups. And uh, haven't dug into it yet. Keep an eye out for, for early next week in the Discord. Top right-hand corner of the lines.com. You can find the Discord button to join. I might be taking the three and a half with the Bears on the road against Minnesota on Monday night football here. You know, we've talked about the turnover-worthy plays with Josh Dobbs. We talked about the Bears defense being greatly improved after what we saw the first month of the season when they were missing some bodies. I think with Justin Fields back and how difficult it is to defend an offense that has a, a rushing quarterback uh, where you can get an extra blocker in there when the quarterback is taking direct snaps and running the ball. I think we saw last week how hard that is to defend. I don't think they're going to win the game. I don't ever want to bet on Matt Eberflus to win a game, but I thought getting the hook here with the Bears was a pretty solid look here for Monday Night Football as well. Adam, we have talked about the Thursday games. We've talked about the Black Friday game. What other bets in your account here in week number 12? I will go along with what Steven said about the two games that he mentioned, Tampa and Indy and Cleveland and Denver. I, I like teaser legs in both situations. I will talk for a second about both Cleveland and Tampa Bay. I don't understand what it is about Tampa that people are having trouble respecting in a game like this. This ain't San Francisco on the other side of the ball. And look, guys, the Tampa offense has been decent this year. Baker Mayfield has been decent this year. He has been a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. Gardner Minshew has not been a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. You might have the wrong team favored, Overall here, I don't think you can look at what's going on 
with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and deny the fact that this is a team that has the ability to not only beat a bad team like Indianapolis, but to run out a little bit on a bad team like Indianapolis. So if you want a little safety and security, I would play it as a teaser. But I think Tampa money line is fine. I think Tampa minus two and a half is fine. And I would say the same about Cleveland. We have a respect for Denver here that to me is misplaced. Uh, that game last week was an Alexander Madison fumble away from Minnesota running it up against Denver. And the Denver Broncos made some plays on defense. And look, they've made some plays on defense in multiple weeks here against Kansas City. They did it against Buffalo. They did it against Minnesota. They did it. And I think the common thread in all of those games is that they're games in which they were pretty fortunate to get out with the outcomes that they did, with the exception of the fact that Patrick Mahomes was sick and was not Patrick Mahomes. So that said, I think both of those teams require a little bit of a look because the Cleveland Browns offensively last week with Dorian Thompson Robinson weren't great. But again, I don't think they're going to have to be great in a game like this against Denver. I would look at Tampa and Cleveland in the same manner. Uh, the other thing that I would do in terms of uh, games this week is I think the Atlanta New Orleans total is running way way high for where these offenses are right now um, Derek Carr is not good and hurt Atlanta can't figure out who they want to play quarterback I don't know how this totals in the low 40s I can't really figure that out and to me that that would be a look toward the under in a game that I I think 17-14 is a likely realistic outcome. Uh, guys, by the time you watch this, don't know, maybe this has already been uh, out there, but since we're recording this and it's coming through live, I think we would all just get a, a chuckle together on this. Uh, Mac Jones approaching the podium after practice today, asked by a reporter, are you starting on Sunday? To which Mac Jones says, I hope so. <laughs> uh, uh, well, so. Zapp, Zappy's been taking second string reps in the drills for what that's worth. So I hope so. He says, I, I hope, hope so. so. I yeah. Hope yeah. So. I just want to be on that field against Tommy DeVito. I, I hope so. <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, you want to, people so. want to lay three and a half with the Patriots or three with the Patriots this week. <laughs> like I'm I, listen, I know it's DeVito. I'm, I'm not laying, I'm not betting the Patriots to win by four or more any week rest of the season yeah no that would never that would never happen guys uh appreciate you being with us here on this holiday week hopefully you got some uh some good insight into those holiday games and just again we're we're coming to you really early in the week so didn't want to we want to make sure we're giving you the best information that's one of the things we really do pride ourselves here on this so like that's why we kind of just went through the best that are already in our account but can't really get dig, dig deep in this stuff right now with without knowing uh, what's going on at practice and, and further information that comes out throughout the course of the week. So uh, as Steven said, he'll be over in the discord. I will pop into the discord as well. If anything changes between now and the weekend, as well as what's uh, as to what's in the betting card, have a happy holiday week with you and yours out there. And thank you for supporting us here on this channel for Adam, for Steven. Good luck on all your week 12 bets. <laughs> 